it's uh, still 0-0, and it probably will be at dinner time tonight. They'll just keep playing all night, and uh, maybe somebody will score eventually. But uh, anyway, so Ephesians chapter 4. We're wrapping up today the My Crazy Family uh, sermon series. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. We've been taking on different topics like marriage and talking about discipling your kids. And last week, Pastor Jake talked about technology and social media and, and being wise in that uh, arena as we seek to, for our own lives, as well as for our kids to, to both embrace and protect ourselves in that arena. Uh, again, hopefully you've been encouraged and, and built up in this morning's more of, of the same. Uh, if you've missed any of those messages, you can go back on Facebook, you can go back on podcasts or website and catch any of those messages at, at your convenience. I also want to mention that next uh, week we are doing something a little bit different. We're going to be taking two Sundays, just two weeks, and uh, focusing on the topic of missions. Now, now, maybe for some of you, you're like, well, that's enter a yawn. Like, that sounds really boring and whatnot. But it's not. I want to just remind and encourage, this is such an important thing because we serve a missionary God. And God's heart for all the people groups of the world that, that he is pursuing and after is a really important thing we see in Scripture. And so we're going to be taking just two Sundays and focusing on this. And this is especially for some of you that maybe are fairly new to New Hope. And maybe you're not even aware of what New Hope does in the area of missions. You're not even sure who our missionaries missionaries are that we support and so we wanted to make sure we take time and highlight that so we're going to be doing some special things over these two weeks you're going to be uh, hearing from different missionaries and ministry partners that we have both live and also uh, speaking to you directly uh, via video from places like India and uh, interacting with you uh, we're going to be taking time and talking about some future plans and dreams we have in the area of missions some exciting things that are ahead as well as we're going to be commissioning I believe next Sunday the Chicago mission trip team is heading uh, next week to to go serve there and so we want to be uh, commissioning them and praying for them during the week so we've got a lot of things happening in this area of missions and so it's going to be a great time uh, together these next uh, couple Sundays I'm super excited about that okay Ephesians chapter 4 now hopefully you've turned there and if you have a tablet or smartphone you can go to uversion.com if you have the app and, and watch or follow the scriptures that way the book of Ephesians is uh, an important letter. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter, and it's, it's a letter written to the church in Ephesus, but it was also a cyclical letter. And what that means is, is Paul wrote this letter, and he, he sent it to that church, and that church would have read it and embraced it and read it again and read it again, but it didn't stay there. Then the Ephesian church would have taken that letter and passed it on to the next church up the road, so to speak. And they would have passed it on further after that. And so this letter is getting around. He, he wrote this letter from prison. He's, he's in a, a horrible conditions. And uh, most likely he was there and, and he would have verbally spoke these words that are this letter as, as the Holy Spirit's leading and working through him. And would have had a, essentially a secretary that would have written the words down. And, and that's functionally how it came together. And this letter talks about all kinds of different topics, but most of what it talks about is relationships. It talks about your relationship with God. It talks about your relationship with other people. And this morning, we're going to zero in on just seven verses. That's it. That's all we have as we wrap up My Crazy Family. But these seven verses are so key as we think about relationships and we think about how we relate, not just, not just with, with friends that we have out there and acquaintances, but how we relate with our family. This is so important. So if you'd join me, what I'd like to do is just read through all seven verses, and then we're going to step back and deep dive into these verses and unpack them a little bit and do some things with them this morning. So we're going to start in verse 26 of Ephesians chapter 4. You can follow along on the screen behind me. Paul writes this, In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. 
Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What I'd like to do this morning is using these verses, and there's so much in here, I just want to pull out what I'm calling this morning rules of engagement. Rules of engagement, meaning, meaning rules that you would and I would commit to to say when I engage or I relate with other people, especially family, that this is what I'm committing to doing. And there are, there are lots of different rules of engagement, if you will, that are throughout Scripture. But this morning I'm just going to pick five, just from these verses here. And my hope is that you would, um, you would say, you know what, th this is something I both agree with and I want to strive to live out. And maybe out of these five rules, there's one of them in particular that God's just really speaking to you about that you'd say, this is something I need to address in my own life. This is an area I want to grow in in my own life. And so you'd, you'd embrace that one rule and say, this is what I'm going to ask the Lord to help me to grow in this area. And here's why I think this is so important. If you have your bulletin on the backside, you can fill in some blanks here. And here's your first one. And I think you'll agree with me with this. I wish this was not the case, but it really is. It's this idea that we often hurt most those that we love most. Isn't that true? We tend to hurt the most relationally those that we love the most. In other words, I'm talking about family. It's, it's that we say things we know we shouldn't say and we do things we know we shouldn't do and we, we take our frustrations out on our family and they see us at our worst. That's just the nature of family so often. And, and so because that's the case, again, I think these five rules of engagement become all the more important that we embrace them and we strive by the Lord's enabling to live these out. So with that said, let's just jump in with our first rule. And I'm going to keep us moving here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these. But uh, here's rule of engagement number one. It's this, that you and I would say and commit that I will not sin against you in my anger. I will not sin against you in my anger. And I'm going back to verse 26 now. And so if you had your scripture, the Bible open, you can you know, follow along there. But, but Paul writes those words. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Now we know it's very possible to feel anger and not sin. In fact, there are some things we should be angry about. There is a righteous anger. Even Jesus demonstrated righteous anger. That's true. But if we're honest, most of the anger that we experience is not that. Most of the anger that we experience is very different. And in that place of anger, we, again, we say things or we do things we know we shouldn't do and we have regrets. Now, Paul goes in a little bit deeper with this here and he mentions two ways. They're not filling the blanks or anything, but just kind of continue to follow along. Paul's going to highlight here, it's still in verse 26, that, that you and I, we're at risk. We can, let our, we can let our anger fester, can't we? Now, some of you, you're explosive maybe in anger in your personality, but there's others of you, you hang on to it and you, you, you keep it and you hold on to it and you stew over it. You may even nurture it. And Paul says here, just again in verse 26, he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because here's the, here's the truth of the matter is, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, and this is part of the danger of anger, is that anger picks up steam 
if it's not dealt with properly. It doesn't just go away. It picks up steam. It, gets, it actually gets worse and worse. Now, oftentimes this, this verse is applied to the marriage relationship, isn't it? And so this idea, maybe you've said this or heard this before, of uh, forgive your mate or stay up late. It kind of has a ring to it, I suppose. Forgive your mate or stay up late, right? So, so we're going to commit to dealing with this. We're not going to let the sun go down on our anger. And so we're going to address this and we're going to take it head on, so to speak. Because this is really true, obviously, it's in Scripture, that we let our anger fester. And when we get to that place where that f- picks up steam, we're more likely to sin against others that we love in our anger. But we also see Paul highlights something else. In verse 27, he says this, he's still talking about anger. He says, and do not give the devil a foothold. And that idea here is that that we recognize that I can let my anger fester and grow, and I can also allow the evil one to have a foothold into this situation that I'm frustrated about. And that's what that, real, that expression means, that we, we allow him to step into the circumstance, into the situation, and he's just going to make a mess of things. He's going to make it worse. That, that's just what he's going to do. And so, and I like it so on the screen behind. Proverbs chapter 29, this verse is so true. It says, an angry person stirs up conflict. You've seen that maybe in your life or around your life. An angry person, just, there's just conflict around them all the time. And a hot-tempered person commits many sins. This is what it looks like. This is how it, how it works. And so, so when I mix my anger with sin, here's what happens. Is I don't have God's perspective anymore. And when I mix my anger with sin, now I'm not treating people like Jesus anymore. And I'm wrecking my household. I'm hurting people that I love. And so that's our first commitment. The first commitment that you and I would make, a, a, a rule of engagement, that I will not sin against you in my anger. Will I be angry? Yes, but I will not sin against you. And we're going to deal this a proper way, in a healthy way. That's rule of engagement number one. Let's keep going to number two as we keep unpacking these seven verses. It's this, that I will use my words to build you up. This is a commitment that you could make. That we need to make. It's in scripture. I will use my words to build you up. Let's go back to verse 29. Paul says this. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk. Let me pause here real quick. That, that word in the Greek, unwholesome, what that means is, it means, it means bad, but, but, also, but really what it means and how it's used, it means uh, decayed, rotten, or putrid. And it's used to describe spoiled meat. You all know what that's like. You've had that moment where you come across it. It's like, oh my goodness, you, know, you just want to get away from it. It, it, it turns, it's nauseating, isn't it? That's what this word means. It's do not let any of that putrid, repulsive talk come out of your mouths. He continues, but only what is helpful for building others up, and here's the key, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So I want to ask this morning, your words, the things that you're saying, are you stinking up your family? Are you stinking up your relationships in your family? Hurting those that you love? Or in contrast, are your words rather building others up in your household, your family, according to their needs? As You've heard me say this over and over again. I've never met somebody who's too encouraged, right? You've never met somebody who said, look, I can't handle any more encouragement. Please don't share. No, that's not true. Like your family needs to hear from you 
words of encouragement, words of love, words of affirmation. They need that. That's their needs. And so, so often, though, we don't think about that, do we? We let our words fly, and it causes damage, but it doesn't, as I say here, Paul highlighting, it doesn't build them up according to their needs. And so how important is it to recognize the needs of a spouse or recognize the needs of, of your children? And this is where they're at. And so I want to speak into that. And I want to use my words, not to tear down. I want to build you up. That's a rule of engagement. That's a commitment that you and I can make. We need to make. And so that's, that's uh, rule of engagement number two, that I will use my words to build you up. And maybe for some of you, you're like, yeah, that's me. That's the one I need to embrace this morning and moving forward. Let's go on to number three. I told you we're going to keep this moving. Here's number three. It's this, that I will never intentionally hurt you. I will never intentionally hurt you. Will I hurt you? Yes, but not on purpose. And that's the difference. I will never intentionally hurt you. And of course, there's lots of ways that we can hurt one another in a family or beyond that, any relationship. But Paul in verse 31, he highlights six ways that this can happen. There it is on the screen. He says this, he says, get rid of, and what's interesting, that word here in the Greek, what that means in the original language, was, it was the word that was used to a sailing ship that had this anchor down into the water. It was the idea of pulling the anchor up so the boat can begin to move again. That's the idea. And so what he's saying here is, look, these attitudes and actions that you're hanging on to are dragging you down. They're dragging down your relationship. You're stuck in your relationships, in other words, because of some of these things that you're living out in your life. And so what he's saying here is, look, raise the anchor. Get rid of this. Stop this. And so that your relationships, and by extension, even your whole life, will begin to move forward. So here's what he says. He says, so get rid of, and he highlights these six things. He says, all, all bitterness. We know these words. Bitterness is bearing a grudge with someone. You ever done that before? Bitterness is, is, is this smoldering resentment that we hang on to in our heart. The word in the Greek for bitterness is one that was used to describe a plant that produced poisonous fruit. This is bitterness. And sometimes we hang on to that. So he says, look, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage, this explosive anger and anger, which might be slow burning. He talks about get rid of, of brawling. Brawling is quarrelsome shouting where you're raising your voice in your family and in your household and you're shouting. That's what this is talking about, this brawling. He says, and get rid of all slander. Slander is speech that aims to hurt somebody else. You ever said something and you just knew this was going to be a stinger? <laughs> and it almost felt good to say it because you knew it was just going to get a reaction or hurt them. That's what this is talking about. Get rid of all that slander. And then finally he says, and get rid of along with every form of malice. And this is the desire to hurt someone. That's what malice means. I, 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 want, to, I want to hurt you. I, I want you to pay a price. That's what this means. It's quite a list, isn't it? This is a, this is a list of things that ruin relationships. This, this wrecks marriages and this, this, this hurts relationships with, with kids. So I want to ask this morning, how are you doing in these areas? These six areas, just, the, just this verse that Paul highlighted. How are you doing in this area? But I think sometimes, if, if we're really honest, sometimes we actually enjoy hanging on to these different attributes and these different attitudes. 
I think there, there's sometimes, not always maybe, but sometimes for some of us there's something that's internally satisfying that we know that we can, we can again, hurt our spouse or pile on our parents or say something to discourage our kids. There's almost a sense of power with that, that, that if I do that, I can, I, can, I can somehow, I don't know, vent on them. Or sometimes we carry this perspective that says, you know what, in light of how I'm treated or what I've gone through in life, I have a right to feel these ways. I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to feel anger. I have a right to these certain emotions that we have that all of a sudden just take over in our lives. But this is something we need to repent of. This isn't of the Lord at, at all. We need to ask God for help in these areas. So, so rule of engagement number three, I will, I will never intentionally hurt you. Maybe for some of you, you need to say and reaffirm in your household or in your marriage, I will never intentionally hurt you. And let me say it and strive to live this out. Rule of engagement number four, we got two more to go. Number four, it's this, is that I will treat you with kindness and compassion. I will treat you with kindness and compassion. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul, Paul says this. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. And in the Greek there, the, the word kind, it's in the present uh, tense. And what that means and indicates is be kind over and over and over again. Make it a present reality. It's not like you wake up and you did something kind, check the box, and I'm good to go for the day. I was kind. I did it. That's not what it means. It means to continually practice kindness over and over again. And then this idea of compassion and being compassionate to one another. It's kind of funny. Last night I was tucking in Ashlyn and I was asking her about her day. And I, and I went through all kinds of, were you kind today? Were you respectful today? I said, were you compassionate today? And she goes, oh, yes. I said, what does compassionate mean? What is compassion? You know, she's like, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad you were that. So we've got to talk about compassion. We, you know, this idea of, 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 of compassion is not, not pity or feeling sorry for someone. It's, 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 it's being sensitive to somebody's needs, but then combining it with action. Like, I want to do something about it. I see that you're hurting, and so allow me to come alongside you. And so it's, husbands, when your wife is weeping, you come alongside her in that place. That's compassion. Or wives, when your husband is hurting, you come alongside him and you hurt with him, so to speak. That's compassion. And so Paul says here, look, look, we need to be to one another in family and obviously beyond. We need to be kind to each other over and over. We need to practice compassion with each other over and over again. This is a rule of engagement. I will treat you with kindness and compassion. And finally, number five, and I, we went kind of quick. I'm going to spend the most time on this one. They're all important, but this one in particular I think is important. It's this, that I will forgive you and seek forgiveness from you. I will forgive you and I will seek forgiveness from you. And this comes from the last verse, the last words of Ephesians 32, which we read this morning, where Paul says this, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And similar to the word kind, that forgive there is also in the present tense. So what that means is to forgive over and over, and over, and over. It means that multiple offenses come against you and you just choose to forgive them over and over again. 
But you know what else it might mean? It might mean that there is one offense that came against you that hurt so much and you're in a place because of what it did to you, you have to make that decision to forgive the same offense over and over and over again. It's that idea that, yes, I've made the choice to forgive, and it is, a, it is a choice to forgive, but all those emotions come back again, and you know you're starting to feel that anger again or that bitterness again, and so you have to once again make that decision. I know I chose to forgive, and I'm choosing again. God, help me. I forgive them. And you may have to do that again and again and again. That's the nature of forgiveness. It's this, this, this choice that we have over and over again in living this out. And here's why I think this is so important. Because forgiveness, and this, is, this isn't a fill in the blank, but it's so important. Forgiveness, and it, it, this is just my opinion, so take it for what it's worth. But forgiveness is the most important ingredient in a relationship in order to maintain unity in that relationship. Like, we need this. Forgiveness is the thing that helps a relationship stay unified. Marriages need this. Households need this. Parent-kid relationships, extended family. We need to be people that are quick to forgive one another because that's what helps maintain unity in that family. That's what we need. Because here's, you know this and so do I. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you're married to. It doesn't matter who your kids are. It doesn't matter who your parents are or your in-laws or any other extended family. At some point, they will offend you. At some point, they will fail you. At some point, they will hurt you. And guess what? At some point, you will hurt them. And you'll fail them. And you'll disappoint them. And you'll sin against them. It's just going to happen because it's people. We're just people. And that happens all the time. And so this forgiveness, this idea of practicing this over and over again is such an important attribute that we hang on to and we remember and we, and we, and we just live this out. And I recognize fully that for some of you, I don't know all your stories by any means. And for some of you, maybe you're having this thought this morning, you're thinking, well, okay, so it's cute to fill in a blank, but the living out of forgiving other people is so much harder than just agreeing that it's a good idea. And some of you have gone through something in your life that is unimaginable. It is something that if you were to get up here and share the story, there would be weeping in the crowd. I mean, things that you've experienced that are pain in the depth. And so you, you recognize that this is a challenging thing. But if that's for you this morning, and really for any of us for that matter, I want to bring us back to the same scripture that's on the screen there. Because the motive and the reason behind forgiving someone else has nothing to do with that other person that hurts you. And it has nothing to do with even how you feel about the matter. It has everything to do with Jesus. The reason we forgive others, as we see here on the screen behind, we forgive each other because just as in Christ, God forgave you. That we recognize that my offenses against God and yours as well are so much bigger than any offenses that we've extended to each other. That all sin is first and most against him. And so when we recognize our sin before him, we have all the motivation and reason to say, you know what, in light of Jesus who came and died on the cross for my sins, I have every reason, motivation to do this to other people. Let me say it a different way. Christians, us, the church, we should be the most forgiving people because we understand and know we are the most forgiven people. Like we should know this. We, we should embrace this and not, and not fight this because it's something that we, that we know. And in fact, let me say it a different way. 
your capacity to extend forgiveness to other people in your life is directly related to your understanding of how much Jesus has forgiven you. Did you catch that? Your capacity to forgive other people in their life is directly related to your understanding of how much you have been forgiven by the Lord. I mean, do this with me. Think back to the day, and maybe it was a few years ago, maybe it was 20, 30 years ago, but the day, the time when you recognized who Jesus was and you prayed a prayer or something happened and maybe you were hidden acres. I don't know, but you, pray, you, you had that moment of faith and you said yes to Jesus and you began to live a life as a follower of Christ. If you could remember that time, because what did you know at that moment? And it probably wasn't a whole lot. You probably knew who Jesus was. You knew who you were in terms of your sin position. You needed a savior. And so you said yes to Christ because he was the solution and the answer. And you began again that relationship with him. And so you recognize how much you had been forgiven. But then what happens sometimes is we go through life and we go through our Christian life and we go to church and life happens and we get busy and we know it, but we don't know it. You know what I mean? Like we, we know the facts of it, but I have lost sight of the reality of it. And sometimes to go back to that place to remember what Jesus did for, for you and for, for me. And what the cross represents and his, as we're going to celebrate in just a moment, remember his body broken and his blood shed. And just coming back to that place in a fresh way to say, you know what, you, you did all of that and, and I don't deserve it and I can never repay you for it. And, and God, all I can do is receive it and say thank you. When we really embrace that, we can forgive others. We can. But sometimes we have to get there. We have to say, God, would you help me get to that place? You know what else about forgiveness I think is important? Is that forgiveness is one of those things that, that we can live out in our, our family, and in our church family, that we can live out in our relationships with friends, and it's one of those things, along with some other characteristics, like uh, humility and holiness, that when the world, the culture, our community sees it in action, it's striking. It gets their attention. It's that whole thing of like, you just forgave them? Like, that's it? Like, there's no revenge, there's no justice. I mean, what are you going to do? Tell the people their house? I mean, something? I mean, is there anything you're going to do? And, and you say, no, I've made a decision to forgive. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, doesn't mean it didn't hurt, and doesn't make it right. But I have chosen to let go of the offense. It's one of those things that helps people see Jesus in action without ever actually reading the Bible. And they see Jesus in action in your life as you and I practice this. And I remember this just in our country, and it was about 12 years ago. It was October, actually, of 2006. And some of you remember this, too. But in Pennsylvania, a guy named Charles Roberts walked into an Amish schoolhouse. Remember that? And he got the boys out and lined up the girls and just opened fire. He killed five little girls, injured five others, killed himself. And obviously, like, this rocked the country. I mean, it was such a horrible thing. And, and we were, and appropriately, we grieved, and, and, and it, was, it was just terrible. But you know, what the, the main storyline of that became fairly quickly was actually not the shooting. Because it was how the Amish community responded to that event. Some of you may remember. It was only a few hours before, or after, excuse me, after the, the crime had happened, 
one of the grandfathers of one of the Amish little girls that was shot went out and publicly declared that he had forgiven, that they as a community were forgiving Charles Roberts, the shooter. It was incredible. And they carried that. And people began to talk about it. That same day, three Amish gentlemen walked from that area of the crime scene. They walked to where the Charles Roberts' wife, now widow, was bawling and crying in her parents' home, trying to take this all in, the shock of this moment. And the three Amish men come down the driveway and show up there. The, 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 the lady doesn't know what's going to happen. Are they going to yell at her? Or are they gonna, I mean, what, what's going to happen? And so the dad goes out, interacts with them for a few minutes, and then calls her out. And they said ma'am, we're so-and-so, and we're just here to check on you. How are you doing? Are you okay? And I want you to know that we forgive. We forgive him. We forgive you. We forgive. Incredible. It was an incredible thing. Because that's not how people typically behave. A few days later, Charles Roberts had his funeral. Only a few people showed up. Most of the crowd, it was Amish people. They were there to pay his, their respects. You see, when we live this out, the watching world notices this. And they talk about it because they're seeing Jesus. They're seeing Jesus. Look, we know family's crazy, right? We, we, know, we know relationships are hard. But these are the rules of engagement, including this one, that we need to say, I commit to this. Tomorrow's email, the Going Deeper email that goes out, and hopefully you open those and read those. I'm going to have lots of different application ideas in there for you based on this message. But for right now, what, here's what I want to do. I just want to ask some questions. I want to ask this question specifically as we close. Who do you need to forgive? Or who do you need to go to and ask for forgiveness? Is it a spouse? Is it one of your kids? Is it a parent? Aunt and uncle? I mean, who in your life do you need to go to and say, I want to make this relationship right. Or I need to pick up a phone or write a letter or whatever the case may be to pursue this. This is important. I'd like to invite the band to come on up, if you would, please. Because at this time, we're going we're gonna, to, as I talked about, we're going to um, celebrate communion. And it's a perfect segue, because as we think about what we're talking about, that Jesus paid the penalty for sins to come and to remember who he is and to remember what he's done for each of us, I think is really, really important. Because remember, we forgive because in Christ, God has forgiven us. And so we're going to come up in just a moment and, and you can grab the bread and grab the, the juice. And I know we're sitting in different places and if you could make your way to the back and down the center aisle, then you can go right or left and, and grab the elements and then take them back to your seat and hang on to them. But as you do, I'd like you to ask you to do two things. When you, when you go back to your chair or whenever you just have some just you and God time, the band's going to be playing, and, and for you to enjoy him and talk with him, I'd like to encourage you first to do this. I'd like to encourage you first to come before God and just you and him in a time of confession. Confession. Because, because maybe for some of you, and the message just calls it out, but you know in your own heart and life that maybe for you, anger has its hold on you. And maybe for you, it's, you're just not kind right now or, or maybe for you there's there's no compassion or, and I don't know what it is and, but, but if there's something like that in your life you're like God I want to grow in this area I'm tired of hurting most those I love most and so would you help me to change and so just a time of confession before God he knows it anyway 
of labeling it what it is. And the second thing I'd like to ask you to do is to take time and tell God thank you. Tell God thank you for the cross. Tell God thank you that, that there is forgiveness and a, a second chance relationship with him. And as we practice forgiveness and, and extending forgiveness to others, to one another, guess what? We get to have those second chance relationships with one another. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I'd like to invite you when you're ready, and elders, you can come up if you would too, to the table, please. When you're ready, um, kind of make your way to the back and again, make your way to the front and then I'll come up and lead us together in our time of communion.
nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom and priest to God who reigns with the Son. represents Jesus' body, the juice, his blood, both given for us to have a restored relationship with him. And the reason why this is so important is that relationship with him, and that's, that's key. And, and, and as we close up both the service but also this series on My Crazy Family, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want any of you to leave here and feel like I just need to try harder because that's not the solution. And while the, I applaud the enthusiasm of that, to, to try harder just to be loving, to try harder to be compassionate or kind, that's not it. Because the truth of the matter is, is that what you need to be the kind of husband or parent or child that God has called you to be and that I hope in your heart you want to be, you and I, we don't have that ability. But Jesus can do it through you. That's the key. Jesus can do it through you. And so the answer is to abide. The answer is to continue to draw close to him. The answer is to continue to pursue your relationship with him, the one who loves you, the one who died for you. That's the key. And that's what we remember this morning as we close, that Jesus, out of obedience to the Father and a love for you, at the Last Supper, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received, Jesus speaking, For I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And here's what he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this or partake in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. In verse 25, it says, in the same way, after supper, he took Jesus, that is, took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Would you pray with me? Father God, this, this morning, first we want to tell you thank you. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for Jesus who is obedient even to the point of death going to the cross in our place and paying the penalty for our sins that should have been ours to bear. Father, we thank you for grace. We thank you for forgiveness. And Lord, this morning too, we thank you for family. And each of us has a different picture of what family is and what that looks like here today. But Father, I pray, we pray together as your people that you would help us to love and to build up and to be kind, to be compassionate to those closest to us to recognize the gifts that they are in our lives from you. We love you and we ask that you would enable us to do this. We pray this in Jesus' name.